<clears throat> Good morning. It's wonderful to see everyone here. We want to thank you for being here with us this morning. If you are visiting with us, we want to thank you so much for being here with us. You have blessed us with your presence here this morning. We want to hope we want to thank you for being here. We hope that you find yourself edified and comfortable by the uh, services this morning. We want to thank everyone for making the choice and the decision to be here this morning when you could be elsewhere. You chose to be here in the house of God to worship God in the truth and in the spirit. To sing songs of praise unto God and to study his word. We thank you so much for being here with us this morning. I'm going to have all the verses up here on the board for us as we study this morning. As Riley said, he read from the New King James Version, and I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version this morning as well. If you have a Bible with you, we encourage you to follow along as we look at God's word and we study the saints this morning. As we've been going through this month, we've been going through different aspects of the of the of, of the body of Christ different things in the church that we we've gone through evangelists how we have those men that are, are appointed to be evangelists and they are those that, uh, that are going about spreading the gospel those that are taking care of things in the church or those that are setting things in order that they are the ones that are, are going about doing those things uh, 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 helping ordain elders ordain deacons in churches. It's very important for us to have evangelists. I want us to understand that. That's not for everyone, but we need evangelists. We need them in the brotherhood. We need them in the church. We need them in every church going about doing that work of an evangelist. And we've also talked about elders, how we have elders and we have ordained elders that they can take care of the church. And we've looked at that last week with Brother Jim Hayes when he talked about the work of an elder. And how important it is to have elders. And how lucky and blessed we are to have elders. And how we should honor them. That we should respect them as sheep that follow. It is very important for us to have those men as elders in the church of God. We've also talked about deacons. Brother John talked about deacons. How there is a need for deacons. That just back in the Old Testament when, when we needed men to help do the work. That there was, a, there, there was something there that needed to be done. It's the same for deacons. We need them to take care of things here in the church, in the church building, spiritual things, physical things. And we need those deacons. And then today we get to talk about the saints. And that's not just everybody else. Those evangelists and those elders and those deacons, they are saints as well. And we all have a duty as saints. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, the Bible says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. This verse is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and it's talking about the order of the church and how we should conduct ourselves in the assembly and things of that nature. And if things are out of order, it's not God's fault. God is not the author of confusion. That when we think of saints, you may already be having these thoughts in your mind of what a saint is or how you become a saint and all these things. And I want us to know that as we look at God's word, that all these things that are going on in the world when it concerns this, it's not God's confusing people. It's man that is the cause of this confusion. It's not God. God's word is very clear on this matter. And I want us to study that this morning. I'm no saint. Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever heard people say that? I'm no saint. I, I do the best I can, but I'm no saint. And why do we say that? Why do we think that? We're going to study that this morning. 
that I get the privilege to talk to every man, woman that has obeyed the gospel here this morning. And we're talking about us this morning. But before we dive into that, I want us to look at the difference in sanctification and justification because that's very important when we talk about saints and how people are become saints or how they are saints. It's important for us to recognize the difference between justification and sanctification. That I want us to look at that when we are washed, when we are baptized, that being justified and being sanctified are two separate things. And I want us to make sure that we understand the, the difference because later on in the lesson, when we talk about saints and how you become a saint, it's important for us to know the difference between justification and sanctification. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of, of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So we see very clearly that there is a distinction between sanctified and justified. It says that those that live this way, that partake in these sins and all these things, they do not get an inheritance in the kingdom of God. It says, so were some, uh, some of you riding to the church there at Corinth. But he says, but guess what? It's wonderful news because you have been washed. What does that mean? That means you've been sanctified. That means you've been justified from these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What's that talking about when you are washed? Baptism. We're going to talk about that later in the lesson here. But I want us to understand that those people were living those, those lifestyles. They were doing those things. And then said, then God came by. Jesus came and he sanctified you. He justified you by the washing of his blood. And you are sanctified. You are justified. Two separate things. Now the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 29 through 30, the Bible says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, to the image of his son, that he might be, first, be the be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. See, in baptism, we are justified. When we hear the word of God, we believe, we obey, we repent, we confess, and we are baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and have our sins washed away. We are justified. Where it says there, he who also, that we should be conformed to the image of his son. How do we do that? In baptism. We become a Christian. We become a disciple. We become a saint. It says there you are justified. Now what does that mean? Justified, and we're going to have three word studies, and if you're excited about that, so am I. Justified in the Bible, that's Greek Numbers 1344. Dekai yo and I'm not going to pronounce that correctly. If you chuckle, that's fine. It says to render, that is, show or regard as just or innocent. Free, justified, to be righteous. See, when we come in contact with Jesus' blood in baptism, we are justified. God has now rendered us just and innocent from the sins. And we just read a list of sins, right? God sees us as just. God sees us as innocent. I was always taught that justified or, or justification is just as if I'd never sinned. That's how God sees you if you are a Christian. 
If you are a baptized believer, God sees you as innocent. We can't become uh, innocent ourselves. It's Jesus who makes us innocent. It's his blood. It's his sacrifice, his death, burial, resurrection, all those things. Our Lord and our Savior justifies us, makes us just, and makes us innocent. But as we read, that's not the same as being sanctified. The Bible says back in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 41, because it's always been God's plan to have sanctified people. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 41, the Bible says, Every creeping thing that creeps on the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Skipping down to verse 44, it says, For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth, for I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. As Ian said in his prayer, God is holy. God is holy, holy, holy. And as we've been going through the book of Numbers, which means the book of Hebrews as well, and the book of Exodus and all these other books, as we've been looking at the Old Testament, we see that that is always God's plan. When people come into his tabernacle, they need to be holy. They need to be sanctified. Otherwise, you can't do anything in God's house. And God wants to make sure that you are sanctified. That word consecrate, as we'll look here later, that means sanctified. He says sanctify yourselves because you're supposed to be holy. Because I am holy. That means don't eat these creeping things. And that's just one, one example. He says, why should you not eat these things? Because God said, don't, don't do it. And by not doing that, you keep yourself sanctified. You keep yourself holy because I am holy. Sanctified means that God makes us holy. His son, Jesus Christ, makes us holy. In Acts chapter 26, this is Paul giving his account to King Agrippa there, telling him what happened to him on the road to Damascus. And Paul is telling him, or these people there, what happened. Acts chapter 26, verse 16, the Bible says, But rise and stand on your feet. This is Jesus speaking to Paul, or Saul at that time. He says, Stand up, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. To make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. It's still God's plan. God wants his people to be sanctified. And here, he's telling Paul, I'm going to send you to the the Gentiles to do that. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles so that they can also have forgiveness of sins, that they can be turned from Satan to God, so that they can have an inheritance and be sanctified in faith in me, sanctified in faith in Jesus Christ, believing in Jesus Christ, being baptized in Jesus Christ. That's how Jesus and God sanctifies us. It's nothing that we do ourselves. And that's what God wants for his people. He said, I'm going to send you to the the Jewish people kind of understand this. They understand being sanctified. This is a different sanctification. Those Jewish people also need to have that faith in Jesus Christ so that they can be sanctified in Jesus Christ. But they they understand that a little bit. 
The Gentiles, us, also have that opportunity. And that's what Paul, that's what Jesus is telling Paul. Go out and sanctify them. Sanctify, which is Strong's Greek number 37, Hagiazo, says to make holy, that is, to purify or consecrate, to <laughs> venerate, hollow, be holy, sanctify. So when you look up that word sanctification, which is Greeks 37, it means to make holy. God and his son Jesus Christ makes us holy. We don't make ourselves holy. God and his son Jesus Christ are the ones that make us holy. They're the ones that make us saints. Sanctification, sanctification, I'm not saying that wrong for a reason. God and his son Jesus Christ, Jesus sanctifies us. Jesus makes us holy. Jesus sets us apart. He purifies us. I'm no saint. So now we understand the difference there in justification and sanctification. That they are two different things. When we are baptized, when we believe the gospel, we are justified. And amen to that. God sees us as innocent and just. But he sanctifies us and he sanctifies us for a purpose. For a reason. So that we can do the work. Which we're going to study that this morning. I'm no saint. So where do we get this? Where do we always constantly say... I'm no saint. The sainthood of superheroes is the way I, say, I, I phrase it because that's just the way my mind works. That when we see things, we always think I can never be a saint because there's nothing I can ever do that's good enough to reach that sainthood. And sainthood is not a biblical thing. It's not in the Bible. There's priesthood, but there's no sainthood. You know, other religions or denominations have created this sainthood and put people in it based on worldly deeds. And we think about this like, well, I'm not good enough to be a saint. None of us are, are good enough to be a saint. God makes us a saint. There's no worldly deed, but, but we see this. We see this, and, and it's kind of, it's just in our minds, it's in our brains, and we constantly think, well, I'm not a saint. I do the best I can, but I'm not a saint. Movies and other entertainment play a part in this, because if you watch movies or you watch entertainment, you see this sainthood or or, or or you see these people that are elevated and put on a pedestal a place or a plane that you feel that you cannot reach and that's not what being a saint is the research that i did said there are ten thousand catholic saints ten thousand catholic saints and that's the number today that there are ten thousand men and women that the catholic church has decided to elevate them to sainthood based on what their worldly deeds the things that they did while they were on this earth. Some of those saints include the Apostle Paul and the Apostle slash Elder Peter. And I put that in there because Jim had, had just spoke on that, that Peter was an elder as well. Have you read about Paul and Peter? Have you read about some of the things that they've done? They were regular guys making mistakes all the time, chopping people's ears off, right? That's Peter, cursing or having an oath swearing that he doesn't know Jesus, denying Jesus three times. Even after that, he's, he showed partiality to the Jewish people and kind of shunned the Gentiles. And Paul had to come to him and be like, you're wrong, Peter. Mother Teresa, Joan of Arc, and Carlo Acutis. That's how I'm going to say that. That might be wrong. These are considered saints. Let me ask you a a question why do you think mother Teresa is a saint or why do you think they consider her a saint as you may say because of all the great things that she did she did many great things 
while she was on this earth. And yeah, she did. And they're great things. I'm not saying that they're not. Joan of Arc was a hero. She did great things as well. Can those deeds that they do elevate them to sainthood? Is that what sanctified them? I put this man Carlo in there because he was born in the 1990s and he passed away in the early 2000s. So this putting people in this sainthood is still ongoing. It's not just something that, that the Catholic Church did or other churches did hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It's still ongoing. People that have become on another plane or are elevated to something that normal people can't get to. He is the patron saint of the internet. He is the patron saint of computer programming. And I put that in there to help us understand that this is still relevant. This is still going on. These are things that are still going on on the earth. Is this what makes people saints? The things that they do, the, the goodness that they have? Now, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short or come short of the glory of God. Every one of those people are sinners, and they need God, and they need Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, but we are all like unclean things, all and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing that we can do that's going to elevate us to sainthood. That's not what makes someone a saint. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that makes you a saint. It is being baptized, obeying the gospel, and being a Christian. That is what sanctifies you. That's what makes you a saint. So this morning, if you have obeyed the gospel and you have been baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, guess what? You are a saint. Jesus Christ has made you a saint. And he's made you a saint for a purpose that we're going to talk about this morning. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul directs this letter to the saints that are at Ephesus. And guess what? There's, there's a whole lot of them. It's the church. You know, in Galatians chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, the Bible says, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace, be, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and Jesus Christ. It's the exact same language. The church and saints are the same. There's no difference there. He is saying that those that are sanctified, that's the church. Those that are in Christ's church, those are saints. It's the church. It's the brethren. It's you and I. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, it says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I had that, that, that same phrase there is in all those letters. Go look at Paul's letters. Almost every letter is to the brethren or is to the saints at or to the church at or in this case is to the church. Those that have been sanctified, that have been called to be saints. And how are we sanctified? In Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 3. We are baptized in Christ Jesus. We are sanctified in Christ Jesus. So we become saints in Christ Jesus. It is the church 
it is those that have believed on the gospel that are saints. The word saints is from Strong's Greek number 40, hagios, which if you look, that's very similar to what, what sanctified was. It means sacred, physically pure, morally blameless, or religious ceremonially consecrated, holy, saint. It's set apart. God sets you apart as his special people. You are saints because of the blood of Jesus Christ has washed you from your sins. When you are washed, you are justified. You are sanctified. It is the church and it is Jesus Christ who does that. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, for the church, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he should be holy and that, that, that it should be holy without blemish. Do you remember back in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, what do we read? It says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of, our, uh, in the, name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. It says that Jesus Christ loved the church. He gave himself for the church. He wants saints so much that he went to the cross and died so that you could be a saint. He says he sanct- he, that he wants his church to be sanctified and cleansed by the washing of water by the word. Baptism. It says that you are washed and you are sanctified back in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. But also says that he might present himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. There is any such thing that, the, that thou should be holy and without blemish. God wants his church to be holy. And he does that by Jesus' blood. By Jesus' sacrifice, by the washing of Jesus' blood, that's how he gets his holy people. That's how he gets his saints, those that are sanctified. But it also says here that they having not spot or wrinkle or blemish. And we're going to come back to that, that thought here later as we talk about here later in the, in, in the lesson, some expectations of the, of the saints. But it is Jesus who sanctifies. It's Jesus who cleanses us and makes us saints. You know, back in Isaiah chapter 6, I want to look at the story because it very much depicts on how we think or how we might see ourselves. You know, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 here, it says in verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Uh, above it stood seraphim, and that, uh, that's like an angel-type creature. Stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. Verse 3, it said, And one cried to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Can you imagine standing there where Isaiah stood? He said, I saw him in his temple. And these creatures are, are yelling, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Or holy is, is, the, is, is the Lord God. The, the earth is full of his glory and it's shaking the whole building. It must have been an awesome sight. 
to be standing in the presence of God. And seeing this, and seeing and feeling it, feeling the place shaking with these, these seraphim screaming, holy is God. So Isaiah says in verse 5, So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. What was Isaiah saying when he was in the presence of God? He's saying, I'm no saint. I'm not good enough to be standing here. He said, I'm, 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 my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. I'm not even worthy to be in this place. And there's nothing that Isaiah could have done himself to make himself feel worthy to be standing there in the presence of God. He said, I have unclean lips. I live with people that are unclean lips. I'm a sinner. I'm no saint. I have no business being here in the house of God. Then one of the angels grabbed a coal and placed it in his mouth. And he says, now you're good. Now your iniquity has been taken away. Now your sin has been purged. It wasn't Isaiah that, that did it. It was God that purified him. Just like we are purified in the water of baptism, that coal made Isaiah pure. It took away his iniquity. It took away his sin. And it's almost like he said, now you're a saint. It wasn't anything that Isaiah did. And Isaiah felt just like we would feel if we were standing in the presence of God. We're not worthy. No, we're not. Jesus Christ is worthy, and his blood makes us holy. I am no saint. I am a saint. Brothers and sisters, never say that you are not a saint. Don't go around thinking that. Don't go around saying that. God has sanctified you from his precious son's blood, sacrificed you so that just like that live coal in the mouth of Isaiah, that baptism, that blood of Jesus Christ has made you a saint, sanctified you, purified you, taken away your iniquity, purged your sins so that you can do the work in God's house so that you can be a saint. You know, it's always been God's plan to have a sanctified people. If you go back and study the Old Testament, when things needed to be done, the children of Israel needed to be holy. They needed to be, he set them apart from the rest of the world. It's always been part of God's plan to have saints, Christians, disciples, a holy special people, a priesthood. Any one of these things describe those that have obeyed the gospel. Any one of these describe any man or woman who has obeyed the gospel. You are a saint, a Christian, a disciple, a holy special people, a priest, going about doing the work that God wants you to do. It's always been God's plan to have that, to have people obey him and become these things so that you can be holy, so that you can have a relationship with God, sanctified. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 19, Verses 4 through 6, the Bible says, You have seen what I did to, to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So back in the Old Testament, that, that was God's plan as well. That God said, if you obey my voice and you do the things that I want you to do, you keep my covenant. He said, then you're going to be a special people and you're going to be above all people. What does that mean? God will separate you. He will set you apart from the rest of the world. We are set apart from the rest of the world. That's why we don't say the things that they do or think the things that they do. We're God's. We're his sons, Jesus Christ, holy, special people. So just like in Exodus, that transfers over there to the New Testament. It's in Jesus Christ now. It's a new covenant, but it's the same idea. God wants his special people. God wants to set apart his special people. His kingdom of priests, his holy nation, just like Riley read this morning. I appreciate that from 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 4, the Bible says, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. That's Jesus Christ. That's what that verse is talking about. That's who that verse is talking about. It says, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Back in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, the Bible says, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And we went back and read that in the Old Testament. And it's here in the New Testament. Be holy. It said God has made you a living stone. He has built you up to be a spiritual house. Not this building. We are the house. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. You know, in the Old Testament, to offer those sacrifices, to go into the altar, to go into the veil and the temple, you had to be a priest, you had to do certain things, you had to make a sacrifice and have water and all these things, and I'm not going to get into all the details. If you want those details, be here with us on Wednesday night, and we'll talk about those details. But you must be sanctified to do those things. God has made us his holy priesthood so that we can give up spiritual sacrifices to God. Be holy, for I am holy. That's what it means to be a saint. God needs holy people. And God is the one that makes you a holy person. And then you strive for that. You know, 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, skipping down to verse 9, the Bible says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God. Who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, that th they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of, of, of visitation. So he says there, you are, a chosen, you are a chosen generation. Why? Because you have believed and been baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special people. That sounds like what we read in Exodus, doesn't it? It's the same. He said, you are holy. You're saints. It says, beloved, abstain from fleshly lust, which, lust which war against the soul. And it says, have your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. Why? Why are we worried about our conduct? Because we're saints. Because we've been sanctified. We've been justified. God has made us holy. That should make us eager. We have a purpose. God wants us to have our conduct honorable. God wants us to stay away from those fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Why? Because we're his chosen people. We're his royal priesthood. We're his holy nation. Those 
that are saved. God, His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, have great expectations for His saints. You know, we've been talking about all the other offices there in the church, those evangelists and the elders and the deacons and all those things. And then saints. If you're a saint, there are expectations for you and how you live your life and the words that you say and the work that you do. It's not that you are a saint. You get to kick back and let the leadership take care of everything. That's absolutely not what we should be doing. But there are certain ways that we should behave. Why? Because we're saints. We wear that, that honor, that badge of Christian, that badge of Christ. And people see that. So we should conduct ourselves in a way that is befitting of saints. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, the Bible says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Be imitators of God. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Verse 3, But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So if you're a saint, God has expectations for you. It says Christ gave himself for you. He died so that you can be saved. He died so that you can have your sins washed away. And he's died so that you can be sanctified to be a saint. How do we honor that? What do we do? The Bible says fornication and uncleanliness and covetousness, don't let it even be named among the people in this building. Don't let it even be named among the saints because it's not fitting. The King James Version says it's not becoming. It's not becoming of saints to be engaged in those type of activities. Now, when I see fornication and, and covetousness, most of the time I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not around those things, right? None of us are, really. But then it goes further and it says, neither filthiness or foolish talking or coarse jesting. They are not fitting. Do you go to school? Do you go to work? You know what foolish talking is? Think about it. Speaking foolishly. God is dead, or all those type of things. You hear people say that? What do you think coarse jesting means? That's like joking. That's not joking. That's filthy joking. That's perverted joking. Have you heard any of that at school? Have you heard that at work? I have. Do you engage in that type of language? No. Why? Because you're a saint. God has sanctified you. You are not to participate in these things. We get the fornication. We get the uncleanliness, the covetousness, and all those other things. But foolish talking and coarse jesting, those are things you probably encounter almost on a daily basis. Have nothing to do with that type of behavior. Because God, through the death of his son, has made you a saint. It's not fitting. It's not becoming to be engaged around those type of things. That's the expectations you have as a saint. Further on, he says, but this you know, that no fornicator nor unclean pers person or covetous man who is, who is in idolatry has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Similar to the verses we read earlier in this lesson. But let no man deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Don't partake in those things. Why? Because you have been set apart. You have a special people, a treasure that is above all people. 
because you have believed in Jesus Christ. You have been saved by his blood. You are a saint. Don't engage in that type of activity. Behave yourself like God wants you to behave yourself. Don't be partakers with them. And they're going to think it's foolish that you don't. Let them know, I'm a Christian. I am God's. I am Jesus now. I'm not going to act that way. I'm not going to talk that way. I'm not going to speak that way. I'm not going to think that way. And strive for that every day when you encounter it. Well, the Bible says in Titus verse 2, verse 12 through 14, it says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Absolutely. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you think about that? Do those verses come into your mind when you're walking about every day, when you're watching TV, you're driving in your car? Or say, I should behave soberly. I should behave godly. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He sanctified me. The Bible says in verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So those expectations don't just stop in how we behave ourselves. God wants us to work. God has work for us to do. Saints want more saints. And then those saints want more saints. And saints and saints and multiply and multiply and bring people to Jesus Christ. Because you tasted what it is. It's good to be in the house of God. It's good to be a part of the church. It's good to be a saint. It is wonderful. It is great. Share that with the world. That's the work. That's the zealous good work that we should have as saints. It says here that Christ is purified. Let me get my pointer out. Purify for himself his own special people. We get that now, don't we? Do you understand that God has sanctified you to be a saint? He's purified you to be his special people. And it doesn't stop there. That's for a purpose. It's for a reason that we go and we work. And we bring other souls. We do that church work that needs to be done. One of those expectations is that we go out and we work for the kingdom of God. That we're a saint now. That it's not just the evangelist that get to go out and do all those things. We may not travel all the places that an evangelist might go. But we travel here. I go all places in this town. I see co-workers, hundreds of co-workers now, go out and work. What does that work? Tell people about Jesus. That great commission that we read about, that's not for just the leadership. That's for all saints, man and woman and child, to go out and do that work. You know, earlier there in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, right after he had he'd got that live coal in his mouth, that he's like, I'm no saint. Well, now you are a saint. Now you're purified. God has made it to where you can be here in the house of God. Right there, that very next verse, the Bible says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am. Send me. Now that you are a saint, God has stuff for you to do. And that's what he's saying to Isaiah here. You've been, you've been purified. You've been cleansed. You could be here in this place. Well, guess what? I need something for you to go do. Who's going to go for us? Or who's going to talk about us? Or who's going to bring people to us? Isaiah says, send me. He says, send me. I'll go. I'll go tell everybody. Do you do that? Do you go about and tell people, God has made me a saint? You probably don't say that. You go about tell people, God has saved me and made me a Christian. 
and I want you to know all about it. Isaiah recognized his weakness. He recognized his worldly sin. God fixed that. Not Isaiah. God fixed it. Wasn't any Isaiah's works or any works that Isaiah could have done that would have brought him to that sainthood. It was God that sanctified him. God that purified him. And then God said, hey, I got stuff that needs to be done. Are you going to go do it? Isaiah said, absolutely. Yes, sir. I'll go work. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, another beginning of a letter here. Paul, Paul writes, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. There's work to be done, brothers and sisters, and it is our job and our responsibility to do that work. We've had this verse up here on almost all, all these lessons because it's got Paul, an apostle, Timothy, an evangelist, bishops or elders and deacons and it says paul attempted bond service you know what that means slave slave to jesus christ you know as we've talked about evangelists and elders and deacons many of you might be saying not me not me not me and you're right many of us are not evangelists or elders or deacons but we need those people we need those people in the church and one of the ways that can make them successful in their office is you. Helping those evangelists. Helping those elders. Don't grieve them. Help them. Be those that are going about spreading the gospel just like an evangelist would. If an elder or a deacon asks you for help, you're ready. You go help. Man or woman. There's things that we all can do in God's church. His saints. We need to help our evangelists. We need to help our elders. We need to help our deacons. Saints don't get to sit back and watch them do all the work. That's not, how, that's not God's plan. God's plan is for every one of his saints, which include those three offices, to do the work. The Bible says here in Ephesians chapter 4, this is another set of verses that we have been going through as we've been going through all these different things or different people or different offices in the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says, For he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors or elders and teachers. Why? Why has God set it up that way? We don't have apostles or prophets anymore. That's been done away. But we have evangelists, we have pastors or elders, and we have teachers. Why did God do that? What's God's plan? Why are those people in those type of positions? Why is his church set up that way? Verse 12 says, For the equipping of the saints... For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God has put evangelists and elders and deacons in there to help equip the saints so that the saints can do what? Can go to work. They're going to work too. But it says that all those things are in place and we want evangelists to do their job and, and elders to do their job and deacons to do their job so that we can be equipped so that we can go do the work. Spreading the gospel, the work of the ministry, edifying, that's building up. Yes, those evangelists, elders, and deacons build us up, but we can build each other up. We can build them up. It's all about being together and everyone doing their job and their part. God has put it in this order so that we can be equipped, have our tool belts full of things that we can do to bring people to Christ. Why? Because we're saints. The saints should be about working. By edifying. 
Later on in that, in, in that chapter, it says, But speaking the truth in love, this is Ephesians chapter 4 still, verse 15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the body. Verse 16, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Every part, evangelists, elders, deacons, teachers, saints, every part needs to do what? Do its share. Are you doing your share this morning? Are you working in the kingdom of God? Are you eager to do that? God's got a purpose for every single one of us to spread his gospel, to bring souls to him. It's not just the evangelist's job. It's not just the elders and the deacons' job. It's the saints' job. This is every joint supplies what the body needs. And every joint needs to be doing its share to cause that growth. Because that's what we want. We want growth, not just in maturity, that we be, that we be saints that are mature, that are going about doing what God, but we want the growth of the body. Saints want more saints. We want this place to be full of saints. Every part needs to do its share. And if you feel like you're not, or you haven't done your share, I understand. I understand that very well. Many times I feel like I'm not doing my share. I'm throwing more load off of, for somebody else to, to, to do. Somebody else is better than me. Let them take care of it. Every joint, every joint has a purpose. And we need to be about doing God's work. And if we need to, ask those evangelists, those elders and those deacons, what can be done? That's why they're there. So they can equip us to go do the work. Find out what it is. Find out what kind of joint you are so that you can go about doing your share. And as we conclude this morning, are you a saint this morning? I think we talked about that. I th we, we've actually hit on it several times of how you become a saint. Are you a saint this morning? If you are a baptized believer, you are. And you should be a saint constantly working on how you can be better. But maybe you have not obeyed the gospel this morning. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 through 21, the Bible says, Who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we've been talking about that. How do you become a saint? You are baptized. You obey the gospel. You know, it says there that eight souls were saved by water. When I used to read that, I was like, that's confusing. They were saved by a boat. It wasn't the water, right? Noah built this ark, this giant boat, and those people climbed in with all the animals, and that's how they were saved. The scripture says they were saved by water. What does that mean? It means that God separated them from the rest of the sinful world. That water washed the earth clean of all sin. And it set Noah and his family apart. It set them up and separated them from the rest of the world. Baptism now does that for us. If you have been baptized, you are set apart from the rest of the world. To do what? To be a saint. To work. Well, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 39, the Bible says, Then Peter said to them, repent and, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
For the promise is to you and to all your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Call to what? Call to be saints. Be baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior to have your sins washed away, and then you'll be added to the church. Then you'll be added to the saints. Do you want that this morning? We want that for you this morning if you're not a saint, if you're not a Christian, if you have not been baptized. We want that. And it says here in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 47, it says, And those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day there were, uh, there, there were about 3,000 souls added to them. Skipping down to verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. It's the Lord that makes you a saint. It's Jesus Christ's blood that makes you a saint. Nothing that you can do. If you have gladly received this word, be baptized this morning. That's what these 3,000 souls did. They heard the word. They wanted what Jesus Christ offered. And they were baptized, and the Lord added them to his saints. 3,000 saints on that day. 3,000 people became saints and were added to the church of saints. If you are not a child of God this morning, if you are not a saint this morning, and you wish to be, be baptized this morning, there's water right behind me. It's full of water. You can be a saint this morning. You can be a Christian this morning. You can be a valuable part of the body that can go start doing its share it will justify you amen it will sanctify you amen it will save you jesus christ obeying his gospel if you are a child of god if you are a saint this morning and you feel like you've not been doing your share we understand that a hundred percent if you are a saint this morning if you are a christian this morning and you feel that there's more that you can do, more work that you can do, amen. If you feel like you've been failing, and there's things that you wish for us to pray with you, to help you, to build you up, to edify you, that's what we are here for. That's what saints are here for, to help each other so that we can bring more saints in. If, if there's anyone of either class, would you please come and sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand and we sing the song that has been selected.